Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 374. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. This week's episode of Therapy Chat is sponsored by Trauma Therapist Network. Because trauma is real, healing is possible, and help is available. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and it's been real busy lately. <laughs> I was in Mexico from February 27th through March 3rd, got back the whole Federal Trade Commission press release about BetterHelp, got onto my radar that morning that I was leaving Mexico, and I was real fired up about that, which of course I still am really upset about it and hoping that a lot of people hear about it and people who've been harmed know that they have rights and feel empowered to take action to protect their rights. So I've really been wanting to tell you about what happened on my trip to Mexico. It was truly life-changing and I will tell you about it, but I was going to make that the topic of this week's episode and I just didn't have time to put it all together for you because I've been dealing with some other really important personal things that have been going on in my life too. So trying to keep that balance of focusing on myself, focusing on my work. It's a challenge, but the more you can pay attention, the easier it is to keep that focus. So that's what I'm trying to do. I will tell you a whole bunch about that amazing trip and the training and how it fit into my whole journey of personal growth 
and what I want people to understand about embodied boundaries that came from this experience for me. This week's episode is, it relates to what I want to talk about regarding embodied boundaries and the training and my whole experience in Mexico. And I'm excited to share about that next time. But this time, you're going to hear my conversation with Laura Hudari. Laura Hudari is a pioneer in trauma-informed strength training, a speaker, and the author of Lifting Heavy Things, Healing Trauma One Rep at a Time. She's passionate about giving people the tools they need to heal from trauma and cultivate mental health and wellness. Her work has been widely recognized by the trauma and fitness community, and she has been featured in the New York Times, NPR, BuzzFeed, Upworthy, Outside Online, Medium, Vice, and Nike.com. Laura has presented her work for Somatic Experiencing International, The Breathe Network, Reebok, Les Mills, Fitness for All Bodies, and conferences, schools, and fitness studios in the U.S. and Canada. And in our conversation, we talked about what trauma-sensitive strength training is, how we can harm our bodies when we are doing strength training while being disconnected from our own bodies, and how that's often encouraged in the fitness community, unfortunately. But Laura is sharing a message not only about the harm that strength training, which is not trauma sensitive, can cause, but also the healing that can come from doing strength training from an embodied perspective. She talks about how we can reconnect with our own body's messages, including regarding what our boundaries are. And like I said, I'll be talking a little bit more about that next week. So I hope you'll enjoy listening to our conversation. I found it very thought provoking and I was so excited to learn about Laura's work and her book. So let's get into that. Just real quick, I want to tell you that if you're a therapist working with trauma and you're considering joining Trauma Therapist Network, by the time this episode goes live on March 17th, 2023, you will be getting down to the wire on the early bird access. Well, early access, not early bird. So the way it works is if you're a trauma therapist and you want to join our Trauma Therapist Network membership community, go to go.traumatherapistnetwork.com slash join to join the waiting list. And we will send you a link to register right away. And you'll be able to register at the lowest prices. If you sign up now, you'll be able to lock in the lowest prices that will be offered all year. And the special offer ends on March 20th. So on March 21st, we'll open up registration to everyone and the prices will be the regular full price. So if you want to get that discount, get on that waiting list. If you're already on the waiting list, go find your email that tells you where to go to sign up and lock in those lowest prices. Therapists get so much support for less than what you would get paid for one therapy session a month. You get so much support, connection, and community in Trauma Therapist Network. So go check that out if that's something that you need. I would love to have you in our community. And I'm not planning on opening up registration again until at least the summer. Can't just keep doing launches all the time, but We also want to be sure that we have a good number of trauma therapists 
in our directory for people to use, to choose from when they are looking for a trauma therapist. So we have three levels of membership. We're now open to Canadian members. And also we have special options for group practice owners. So just email me if you're interested in learning about the group practice option. All right. That's all I wanted to share with you about that. Also, there's a new link to a training with Jules Taylor Shore, who will be an upcoming guest as well. In this free webinar with Jules, you will learn about the relationship between the implicit memory system and anxiety, how to permanently shift neurological patterns with memory reconsolidation, and the three elements you'll need to know to effectively support reconsolidation in therapy, and how to recognize a successful reconsolidation so you can support the process again and again. And there will be a demo and ample time for Q&A. So this is a neuroscience-based webinar. It's free. Jules is a licensed therapist and a trainer of therapists in Austin, Texas. She's an SCP, Somatic Experiencing Practitioner, and she uses her knowledge of the brain and the implicit mind to go decisively to the root of the issue with gentleness and depth. I'm really excited to check that out. It's through the Academy of Therapy Wisdom, and you can find a link to get that free webinar in today's show notes. So that is all for now. I will go ahead and dive into our conversation, my conversation with Laura Hudari about lifting heavy things. Love to hear your feedback about this if you feel like sharing. Thanks, as always, for listening to Therapy Chat. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with another Laura, Laura Kudari. Laura, thanks so much for being my guest today on Therapy Chat. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to get to meet you. Thanks. I'm excited to get to meet you too. And I'm I'm honored that you could be my guest. I first heard about you from somebody I respect so much, Zabi Yamasaki. And you know, she was talking about your book and I said, oh, wow, this is another angle that I haven't learned about. So your book is called Lifting Heavy Things, Healing Trauma, One Rep at a Time. And I'm really excited to talk to you about what's in your book and how you came to write it. But before we get into it, let's just start off by you telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So yes, I'm Laura, Laura Kadari. My work has sort of been a an a natural path that I meander. But a few years ago, after I had done a lot of my own recovery work with PTSD, I was, I realized that I wanted there to be some trauma-informed strength training and weightlifting in the world because it was something that I really wanted to be a part of my own recovery process and I had to cobble something together for myself. And I sort of had this aha moment and I have a background in nonprofit management and programs, and I have this background as a later in life, not till my 30s, but barbell sport athlete. And I was like, I'm going to make this a thing. I can't find it anywhere. I want it to be a thing. And I did a major career switch, and I became a certified personal trainer and later a corrective exercise specialist and barbell sport coach. And started studying somatic experiencing and also studying with other, studying other trauma modalities and polyvagal theory. It's just going deep and trying to bring it all together to combine exercise science and trauma healing modalities to support 
folks who are doing the work of recovering from trauma and want to also bring their body in in a way that's maybe different from yoga and in a way that gives them a break from the narrative, the trauma story, because mm-hmm. that could be, we can start to feel pretty consumed by our trauma story. So this is a way to do some work. I sort of do the work and then I decided to write the book. So, well, the book decided I had to write it. <laughs> As they sitting, do. I was sitting down to like do a little marketing project and out pop this book idea. And I was like, oh, okay. But I had been harboring fantasies of being a writer since I was a teenager. So I jumped in with both feet. For me, a big part of my work has been about increasing access to body-based trauma healing modalities. And part of access is making even more of it available in general from more practitioners who are doing the work, which has been happening. And then also this book is a way to start introducing the idea and the concepts and how people want to start, but don't want to, or aren't in a position to work with a personal trainer, you know, books best work for it. (laughs) Right. And they are available at the library too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm really grateful that you wrote this book and that you're out doing this because I had never heard anything about trauma-focused or trauma-sensitive or trauma-informed personal training or strength training or weightlifting at all until I heard of it. But I, as I was telling you before, I go to a, a pelvic floor physical therapist who uses kettlebells like you have on the front of your book for pelvic floor physical therapy work that looks like strength training to me. Sure. <laughs> I have an idea of some of the things you're probably doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and as I was reading through your book, I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you speak about here that really light me up. Like when you, you were talking about embodiment and, and autonomy and consent and just those words do not align with my experience of personal training in the past. When I have worked with personal trainers, it's usually more just like push through, suck it up, you know, be tough, never quit, things like that. So can you talk a little bit about your experience with that and why? Sure. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I, so I had started working out very begrudgingly at 26, 27 years old to manage some chronic back pain. I was like, not, I did not want to go to the gym. I had feelings about the gym, but my mother had this personal trainer. She felt he would be able to really help me with this chronic pain I've been living for seven years. And I acquiesced. And he and I are still very close. And he really helped me. And, you know, we were strength training for many years together when I was able to carry my pregnancy without any problems, like all these great. So my quality of life improved and became a part of my life. But I really wanted to try Olympic weightlifting. This was like when CrossFit was just kind of new. So it wasn't a thing everyone was doing. It felt very subversive as a middle-aged woman. (laughs) And I was like, that is my MO to be a little bit subversive. So it really spoke to me and it turned out I was pretty good at it. And that was exciting after a lifetime of thinking I'm not athletic. Man, that lit me up and it was so exciting. And I just really became, started to be much more without knowing, having length, much more in my body, much more aware of my body. Because as I say, like if you 
So Olympic style weightlifting is like what you see watch the Olympics where they get the barbells over their head, right? So if you're going to jump down under a barbell and catch it over your head and stand up with it, you need to know where your body is, what it's doing and how it feels. And I had been so disconnected from my body. You know, I was bullied as a child a lot and I've experienced, you know, a variety of things that being in my body wasn't safe. So I had, you know, dissociated. I had to come back to my body to do this sport. And I liked being in it. So that really was great. But I, you know, unrelated to the gym, experienced a, you know, big T trauma outside of the gym and subsequently developed post-traumatic stress disorder and continued to train. And I was beginning to overtrain. I was like in this really serious fight response. And so I was training eventually 10 times a week. I was training in Olympic weightlifting. I was training in powerlifting. And I was training in karate. So all aggressive and I had pains in my body and I was like, just going to train it away because I didn't, I couldn't stop. I was like preparing for battle. That's how it felt. And I was preparing for threats all the time. And it was a celebrated way of approaching fitness. All the coaches and trainers would be like, look at her, be like her, be like her. And I was just completely overriding my system. Coach says, lift more. I go, okay, no matter what my body feels like, I have all this pain speaking to me. And I'm just like, you know. And actually, interestingly, today when we are recording it, I realized earlier, this is the eighth anniversary of me waking up and not being able to really use my left lower leg. Whoa. <laughs> yes. I realized that on my drive today. I was like, oh, that was eight years ago. I had re-injured my back and I had sciat you know, sci very severe sciatica and then I couldn't use my left lower leg. So I went from like GI Jane level training to I can barely walk to the bathroom. And that was just, it was just crushing for, because that was the thing that I felt I had and that, you know, it was maladaptive at that point, but it was the thing that I felt kept me safe and it was gone. So there was this really long process of trying to get back there, you know, and I, all I could find was trauma, you know, trauma informed or trauma sensitive yoga, which is wonderful. However, for me, even though I had had a regular yoga practice, I tried it a couple of different ways, a couple of different practitioners, and it was just way more triggering than anything I was doing in the gym. You know, and I would, I was always curious about that. And I would later be at a training with Peter Levine, created somatic experiencing. And he spoke to this and he talks about how practices like yoga or seated meditation practices often ask us to be still. And that stillness can be really hard for those who associate stillness. And so that was my response. So I was like, I have to figure out a way to begin to move my body. Later in that year, probably not much, probably in December, I'm thinking, is when I got my hands on The Body Keeps the Score. It was a fairly new book. I was like, aha. Mm -hmm. And I started going deeper. And that's when I became interested in somatic experiencing and just working with different practitioners and people who maybe weren't trauma-informed but were willing to learn or have a conversation. And, you know, I worked with coaches who would, if not listen, just like, let me do my things. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say that, I, you know, I was definitely met with some skepticism or actually more commonly with coaches being like, yeah, stress is stress. Like, it's really different than stress. It's, it's similar, but it's different. And, you know, learning that using these different models, realizing that sometimes the impulse to question it, you know, or like to override 
you know, a lot of people will be like, yeah, I want to go, I want to go to the gym and like blow off some steam. There's a time and a place for that. And that's that catharsis chasing. It's not actually healing. And when you're deep in it, you need to slow down. And so figuring out ways to begin to process that excess nervous system arousal, but in a way that keeps you within nervous system arousal capacity. So you don't overwhelm yourself. That was really what I started to do for myself. And also just really paying attention to what parts were supposed to be moving when. And that was really to keep my back safe. But what I started to realize was it was building skills. So I was starting to feel things in my body. And I began to almost have like conversations with my body. So then when I'd be in therapy or I'd be having a conversation with family or friends, and I would notice feelings in my body, I would pause. He's like, what does that mean? And it began to help me name feelings and name experiences and therapy and in conversation. And that was huge. So somewhere along this path, I wanted to really share with other people. And so I was like, well, I can't find anybody who's doing this work. So, well, there was one person practicing in Toronto that I studied. And then I kind of went off on my own and brought these modalities together. What's been wonderful in the years since my sort of hanging my proverbial shingle is that there were other people who were interested in this being a thing in the world. And we found each other, <laughs> many of us, and we're really building beautiful community. And there are programs now out there that train personal trainers and coaches in trauma-informed approaches to personal training and weightlifting, which is just fabulous. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And that this is this important anniversary. So I just want to sort of honor that too. It just makes me think how what you're talking about. I don't know. I'm feeling emotional today. So if I'm teary, just please ignore it. No, no, not <laughs> it's ignore just it. There. We'll just be with it. It's just there. I didn't say ignore it. <laughs> Who said that? It's like slowing down. What you're talking about is like, you know, you're noticing that your body's feeling something and you don't override that, you know, even just like the, like me getting teary. It's like, yep. Okay. That's happening for whatever reason. And I don't have to really understand why right now, but I can just let myself be slower and not rush because I think that's what, when I'm thinking about working out, I just want to be clear for everyone listening that in no way is this conversation intended to be about weight loss or how one's body looks. This is about connecting with your body and that's all. But when I think about experiences of working out, the times when I would override my body or when I'm trying to keep up with something that is probably maybe a little moving too fast for my capacity, mm -hmm. you know, like if it's, for example, if you were doing reps of weightlifting and you, your muscle is exhausted, but you're using momentum, you know, that's when you aren't using your, the right form yes. just to finish it. Right. Let's yes. get the number of reps done. Right. It's not always just overriding pain or consciously choosing to disconnect. Sometimes it's just like not giving yourself enough time. I think. Yeah. Giving yourself time or not paying attention. And, you know, sometimes it's just one thing I, I do talk about a lot is where we are taught like in a traditional setting, when you're taught an exercise, but that doesn't mean you're doing it right. What, you know, a big part of the work I do and what I think is so important is understanding where the movement initiates from and how it feels like exactly what you're speaking to. The bicep curl is a big one. I 
crack up in the gym. I see people, you know, doing their bicep curls and their oh, people can't see me. I do this all the time. I talk so much with my hands. Podcasts are rough for me. But they like <laughs> lurch their whole body, like you were saying, because they're using momentum. They're using their hips, they're using their back, and they're not using their biceps. So it's not great in terms of getting your biceps stronger or bigger, whatever your goal is. You're more likely to hurt yourself. But people, it's not like people don't, they're doing that you know, like, oh, I don't care. It's trying to be lazy know, or cut they corners. Don't know. Right. I don't know. Like I I took some time to study. So now I know how the bicep what the bicep is doing when it contracts. And that's the kind of information I might share, you know, to help people start to figure out how they can connect with their bicep and feel it contract. And that's what starts to build that in conversation. Yeah, because you know, that's what really stands out to me here in your book is the way, for one, it's not just about the idea that weightlifting or strength training, bodybuilding is, or working out in general, quote, should be trauma informed. And there's that piece is part of it. But you're also talking about, I think what interested me the most here is like the idea of being embodied and how you can connect with your own wants and needs from that space. We don't, if we are dissociated from a part of our body, from our body or if we're regularly in the habit of, you know, ignoring signals. I, I am, one thing I do a lot is I will be so focused on work that I will not realize that like I need to rest. Mm -hmm. And then when I kind of come up out of that space, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> you run off. Uh-huh. And like lots of people do that or same thing with hunger, hunger, ignoring these cues because we're busy or, you know, ignoring one thing I talk about a lot is ignoring learning to ignore your gut instinct in order to be nice. And sometimes it is even in order to be sort of socially safe, right? Like parties, networking events, ignoring some red flags because of rules of society, you know, and then or maybe you want to speak up, but you don't. And these things become, you keep regularly ignoring signals from your body, but you don't make time to regularly then reconnect with your body. You're going to lose access. So access to feeling like I want to not be in this conversation <laughs> or I want to eat or I need to eat. I need to sleep. And being able to recognize those things are actually all examples of, you know, being in touch with your agency. Like, oh, I need to eat. I'm going to then, then you realize that's what you need. Then you maybe make the choice, hopefully, and you know, for it might take some work, but then you make the choice to eat. That is actually very empowering. It sounds simple to some people, I think, but if we are really disconnected from ourselves, we lose touch with like what, what our body's telling us it needs in basic ways or what it needs in bigger ways. And we also start to lose touch with our feelings because our feelings originate in our body. They're not in it, right? We're not thinking our feelings. We're translating our feelings into words. But the feelings start in the body. So if you start to make some time twice a week to do an activity and bring embodied approach to it, just shifting the approach. So maybe somebody who's listening, they don't want to lift weights or anything, but they regularly walk around their block. Maybe Next time they walk around the block, paying attention to how their feet feel when they're walking, that is practicing embodiment, paying attention to your body as you're doing an activity and beginning to build a conversation. 
So they're not, you don't necessarily have to be doing something new. You know, you don't have to go lift weights. <laughs> if there's a thing you do, if you shift your lens in the ways that I talk about in the book to really turn it into mindful practice, embodied practice, can start to really retract in these ways that we sometimes disconnect for a variety of reasons. It's not even always, you know, big trauma runover or complex trauma. It's just stressful life stuff. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. If you've ever looked for a trauma therapist online, you know it can be really confusing and overwhelming to try to figure out if the person has the right combination of training and experience and specialization for you. That's why I created Trauma Therapist Network. Trauma Therapist Network is a website where you can search for trauma therapists, learn about trauma through reading articles and listening to podcast episodes, including this podcast and my other podcast, Trauma Chat. And it's also a supportive community for therapists. So Trauma Therapist Network has something for you, whether you are a person who is searching for a therapist or if you are a therapist, you will find support and help at Trauma Therapist Network. To learn more, go to traumatherapistnetwork.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think one thing I want to touch on that you mentioned in the book is about breath. And I know that in our culture, we tend to hold our breath a lot in Western culture, you know, go, 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 busy, busy, busy. So don't want to feel, don't have time to feel. But also you talk about how triggering it can be to take deep breaths. And can you say a little bit about that? Yes. I love to talk about this because I take all of these, I go to all these trainings and everybody starts by saying, let's ground with some deep breaths. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe. Depends on the person. Right. Let's have options. I'm in a place in my life now where I, I really can appreciate the deep breaths, but I wasn't there always. My first client's one of my first lines I got when she read this article that I wrote that it's the only article I ever wrote that definitely got into like viral status, you know, 40,000, 50,000 reads or whatever. And it was called like, don't tell me to take a deep breath. I believe the editors changed it eventually to, you know, whatever, make it more applicable. But I had actually been in a somatic experiencing training. I probably was my beginning year. And we kept grounding with breath. And I was like, there have to be 
there are so many other options and for so many people going inside and noticing how constricted your breath is can be really scary. You know, you're like, ah, nothing is moving in there. Or maybe you're having a different experience, but just the experience of the breath itself can be triggering, not not for everybody. But it's one of the possibilities. And so I love it when people just have another practice like that. You know, you, you invite somebody, would you like to ground using breath or maybe using sight or sound? you know, give those options and have a couple tools. I've definitely heard people use a variety of tools on this podcast. There's <laughs> so many other things, you know, I've become so about that. My daughter would be at school when she was younger and they'd be like, Gloria, take a deep breath. And she's my mom says not to say that. <laughs> See, she's um, still in touch with her agency. A hundred percent. I I am very impressed with what I'm seeing actually among her generation in general. She's in high school now. And at least in the the kids that she associates with, they are more open. Less constricted and constrained by roles and identities. I love it. Me too. That's hopeful to me. It is. It is. So thank you for explaining that. And I've, I definitely feel... I agree with you that, you know, people, people often get panicky when they try to connect with their breath or there's a lot of reasons why that can be very triggering for people to hear. So it's one option, but it's not the only way to ground for sure. I I offer, I think I offer two alternatives in her book. I mentioned sight and sound. Those are my favorites. So I believe that's what I put in some of the exercises. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about this book is that there are little exercises to practice everything you're talking about. Yeah. Some are writing. I know with this book, people think exercises, they think like squats. Oh, right. <laughs> there are some, there's a warm up, but there are also, but most of the things in there, actually some of them are written, trying out different types of grounding. Yes. So another topic that relates to everything we've been talking about that really interests me in how you're talking about this. I mean, I I don't think it's necessarily a given if you hear that there's a book about trauma-informed weightlifting that it's mm-hmm. going to talk about interoception. But right. that that concept, which we in the mental health field don't really learn about in school, it's more occupational therapists and <laughs> some physical therapists get that training. And then those of us who do somatic trainings later learn about it. But the, I've felt myself the connection between interoception and a sense of empowerment or disempowerment and agency, autonomy, consent. You know, it's really interesting. I hear people say if you, if you have a strong core, you can be assertive and confident and things like that. But it's like when you actually, you know, and if I look at my core, I'm like, well, we've got a ways to go with this. And I don't mean that. You know, it's just, it's not strong per se. I don't know if it needs to be strong. I think it just needs to, I think it's about being in relationships. That makes sense. Yes. You know, and just being able to notice and be, and there are two parts to that being able to notice. Being able to notice, especially, yeah, especially what you're talking about, like the core of our body. And just so people know, like the core isn't like, 
that just in your abs are right. part of it. But your core is like your whole trunk and your front and back. So the muscles of back, the muscles of your glutes are part of, you know, your bum is part of your thing there. You know, your pelvic complex, hips, that's all part of it. And so first there's being able to just be in touch with muscles, like actually being able to, and also like the organs that are in there, you know, like your tummy rumbling. Mm-hmm. Being able to feel those things, which we were talking about, like, so in terms of strength training, you can do the exercise properly. And also having the nervous system capacity to be in touch with those feelings while under the stress of exercise. Mm. And I don't think people realize that like exercise, like strength training specifically, but really even like cardiovascular exercise or exercise in general uses something called the idea of progressive overload for you to So, you know, pushing up against your edges. But what a lot of people do, you know, for like, so pushing up edges, like lifting till fatigue or running till fatigue, you know, these sorts of things. Sometimes it's in intervals, sometimes it's longer, but at the, the idea is just doing a little bit more each time. But a lot of the time people sort of want to blast through the edge, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the window of tolerance model, I use it because it's easy. I have some things about it. I don't like calling it tolerance. I like calling it capacity. Mm-hmm. It's also linear in a way that I'm not sure works. But this idea of, but if you think of it, right, you're thinking about the edges of your capacity for nervous system arousal, and you don't want to go beyond it because when you go beyond it, then you're not processing, you're not, you're getting overwhelmed, and then you're going to get in a cycle. In the gym, for some reason, we tend to ignore that idea and just think more is better when really the idea is to be at our at the edge. So when we're strength training, hard enough to challenge ourselves, but not so hard that we have to disassociate from the body because there is the stress. It's a stress, whether it's, you know, you're arguing with somebody or you're exercising, it's stress. And it's just a good stress. You have to take that into account. And then if you're coming in with a trauma history and you're processing your trauma, that's more stress you're bringing in. So what you might be doing in the gym while staying within, you know, staying within the edges on a given day, maybe less than it was before you were working. It's not a forever. It just means going slow. And, you know, from the somatic experiencing, we talk a lot about titration, really titrating that nervous system arousal or thinking about that so that you maintain capacity to stay with the sensations. Once you can start to connect with it, working on being able to stay with it and stay with the body under stress. Once you have that skill, you can take that into the world. You can stay in your body under the stress of talking about trauma in therapy. <laughs> and so you can stay in your body and you can start to realize more about the experience because you can start to translate the sensations in your body into, you know, an emotional. Yeah. So I just want to clarify something you said. So yeah. You said when you're arguing with somebody or exercising, they're both stress. And when you're kind of going up against your growth edge, when you're exercising, were you saying that when you're trying to work through something traumatic while exercising, or did you just mean, because you said it'll be like this for a while, or are you talking about more of your physical edge? (laughs) They're they're the same. I guess they're the same. That's what I'm saying. We're we're bringing what we bring into the gym on a day. We are bringing into the gym, you know, the things we, the things traders talk about sometimes. Sleep, did you eat breakfast so you can have some fuel? And sometimes people will want to know about your mood, right? 
Not always. Yeah. Um, usually not. <laughs> Unless it's I a good some, mood. Yes. Right? Like, you Ready know. Ready to kill it today? Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. There's a lot of like, <laughs> rah, rah. I just want to know your mood. It's <laughs> really I like a pep rally thing. I forget. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, no, I really, when I ask how you are, I actually really want to know. Yes. But, you know, there are these factors. And then people also will sometimes think about, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm a little tired because it's been really hard at work. But we don't seem to account for the fact that also, you know, I have been dealing with like actively engaged. All of that is relevant to the amount of stress you're bringing into the gym. And then for some reason, there is this disconnect and we don't acknowledge the fact that a trauma response is also stressing the system. Mm-hmm. I kept walking into the gym thinking that I should have been able to train the way I was training before I had experienced the big T trauma. And I kept having flashbacks. I wasn't less strong. (laughs) There was nothing. What had changed was what was already going on in my system. So I, you know, the stress would push the stress of a, in fact, even I started taking weight down on squats and things like that because I was noticing this correlation between doing the exercise and having these really intense flashbacks and no one understood why you know it made me feel really weird and broken and i really really want people to realize they're not weird or broken their trauma is showing up in the gym and it's another factor along with wrapping out your house or whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know like i it's not, and you do know this, I think many of your listeners know this, but we, but for some reason with the gym, we sort of separate it out. It's still the body. Like it's a, it's a mind body integrative thing. It's all one system. It's all drawing from the same nervous system and the same reserves. Yes. That totally, totally makes sense because it's like you, like you said, I wasn't less strong, but maybe you were more fatigued because of the load you were already carrying right yeah when you walked so the, in the, the heavy thing I was lifting exactly the heavy things uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yes and it's really interesting because I have you know I'm talking a lot about my body today but I have a, a chronic hip issue and it's on my left side and my left hip is a little bit higher that's why I'm going to the PT and um so I also go to one group fitness class a week. I love step aerobics and I go to that. I just love it. It's fun for me. It makes me happy. I can do it. it makes You're my body feel good. It's community. There's some accountability to see my friends when I go. Okay. People act like they miss me if I'm not there. And that makes me feel good. But sometimes my emotional state impacts how strong my hip is and I can feel it. It's not strength though. It's like how much I can be in my hip or not really. It's like, it doesn't feel as innervated. I don't know if that's really the right word, but it's like, it's not connected the same way. And I think that maybe that's interoception. It definitely could be, you know, we, that's another thing. I like that you were sort of presenting it and then looking at it with curiosity. I think a lot of the time, yeah, very. But why is it doing it this way? Yeah, I definitely do. I have things. <laughs> I know. I, I'm like, maybe it was this thing. Maybe it was that thing. But I also think it's okay to just like notice today mm-hmm. my hip can, I'm like less in touch with my hip. Notice it. Just yeah, notice I don't even have to know why, but just I mean, honor you know, it too. I, 
I noticed that people, especially with the body, that's getting in the way of something you love. I was just recently overhearing a conversation between a physical therapist and a new client. And the client, I recognized myself from this client. He was chasing fixes, just chasing because he wanted it away. He wanted whatever the problem was, which I wasn't sure what it was about. He wanted it away. And so he was doing this and that thing and this acupuncture and arch and every modality notes man. And now he's a physical therapist and but all in this very short time. And I wanted to like, just do less, just notice it, maybe just be in conversation with it. I know that sounds very to a lot of people, but I literally, I have literally like written in the voice of my hip to try and like, I saw that an exercise like this actually in the book. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not laughing. Yeah, no, because it's telling you something and maybe you don't need to be poking and prodding at it so much. Maybe you need to rest. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're like, oh, but I really, I really like, I mean, for me, it's like, I really like weight, you know, you need to rest. There's training for, with weightlifting and other sports, like there's training for sport and competition, which then, yes, you're going to override your system constantly. <laughs> and then there's training because you love it and you enjoy it. And so the reason why I'm doing it is not to win a medal. The reason I'm doing it is to enjoy being well, there's a beautiful place to end. And I know we have to stop, but that's that's so poignant because that's it. You're not doing this to for an end goal that's different from connection with your own body. Yeah. Oh goodness. This is so wonderful. And I'm I'm really grateful that you came and shared about it on Therapy Chat today. So Laura, where will people find your book? My book is available from your preferred bookseller. My preferred bookseller is your local independent bookstore or bookshop.org. If you're a library person, the library doesn't have it. You can ask, get a copy as well. Awesome. And do you have a website or anything where you want people to find you? I do. I would say if you can spell my name, you can find me. <laughs> so my website is lauracudari.com. I'm on across social media channels. I tend to be most active on Instagram though, and that's at lauracudari. And those are really the best ways to find me. I also, it's been a little quiet for me, but I do, I have, if you're interested in this, I have a ton of articles also on Medium about all of this sort of stuff. You know, the the intersection of physical and mental health. Beautiful. I'll, I'll find that and link to it as well. Laura, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. It was a pleasure. Thank you to TraumaTherapistNetwork.com for sponsoring this week's episode. Therapists, Trauma Therapist Network membership is reopening March 6th and the waiting list gets early access and discounted pricing. So join the waiting list now by going to go.TraumaTherapistNetwork.com slash join. There's a link in the show notes. Can't wait to see you in the membership. There's new membership levels. We have options for group practice owners and Canadian therapists to join as well. So if you've been wanting to become a member of Trauma Therapist Network, this is the time. Go join the waiting list now and we'll see you when membership opens March 6th. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at TherapyNotes.com. 
Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you.